Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and today I'm going to be speaking with another author, Dr. Gail Gorman, who I have met through my involvement in internet marketing. She is an accomplished person in Hilton Head, South Carolina, who is currently going to school to get a doctorate in Chinese medicine, correct? Pretty much right on, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, pretty Adding much. Adding to my repertoire. <laughs> yes. All right. So we can call her Dr. Doctor in the future. <laughs> And I brought Gayla on the show today so that we could talk about her experiences writing books and how those books fit into her business and what her objectives were at the time that she wrote those books. Well, welcome to the show, Gayla. Thanks, Pat. It's good to be here. Tell our listeners about your experience with that first book. When you went from zero to one, what was that book about? So... When I, in a very far, far away former life, I am a CPA accountant and I had gone through a period of time where I just knew I needed some changes in my life and had decided that I was going to sell my business. So I sold um, my half of the accounting firm to my partner and, um, for a year or so, the book idea was floating around in my head. And, um, and so I was on at a conference in um, Scottsdale, Arizona, sitting at a bar, uh, having a glass of wine and a, a bowl of risotto, one of my favorite meals. And all of a sudden, the blueprint for the book just literally started falling out of my head. Now this was after planting a lot of seeds. Like I kind of knew what I was writing about and had the gist of it. It had been percolating in there for a while. Not unlike a lot of people, a lot of people have a book idea um, taking up mindshare uh, for quite a while. But then once I got this uh outline, if you will, on these cocktail napkins, then I was stuck. And, um, and so I ended up discovering a process that helped um, a person like me, who's very much left brain oriented to uh, get the project done by putting it into bite-sized chunks. But, um, but really, for me, where a lot of people write a book because um, it's an ancillary to their business or something like that. Like for me, it was really a labor of love and, um, and something that I just felt like I needed to get out there. And so, um, so the book is now titled Sage Advice and um, a Spiritual Approach to Problem Solving. So a spiritual approach to problem solving. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. So your book literally was one of those ideas that 
came from your head to a napkin because we hear about entrepreneurs who frame their napkin showing this was how my business started was on this little square piece of paper. Interesting. Now you mentioned the process of writing it in bite-sized chunks and I'm curious about what that process meant for you. So um, I think there's a lot of ways to approach it, but for me, staring at a blank page or thinking that I was going to set aside enough time, uh, sequester myself for several weeks, if you will. <laughs> you know, we see movies of artists or writers that take off to some cabin in the woods and don't emerge for weeks or months. Um, and it just looks like total torture as they, you know, crumple up the page and throw it away. Um, that was not at all what my book writing experience was. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I discovered a process that um, basically I took that, those cocktail napkins, put that information into the computer, and then each one of those chapters was developed into a bunch of little chunks. And then I could write a chunk in 20 to 30 minutes. So literally the, the really cool thing about, about the process was that if I woke up feeling kind of inspired or something happened that was related to a chunk in chapter 16, three bullet points down, I could go write that chunk today. I didn't have to start at chapter one and go through the whole thing. And, um, and so, uh, so the process really worked for me, you know, um, there were in that particular book, I've written several books now. Um, that's was my full length man, manuscript and I've written a, a several smaller books, but the, um, there were a couple of chapters that required more research, you know, where I actually had to go sit in the library and, and do that kind of research. But most of the book basically came out of my head. And, um, and so it just had to come out of my head in a way that, made sense and and was going to be helpful for people so and did you follow that process with subsequent books or did you refine that process in any way so the beauty of it is the process works for a long book a short book a blog post a you know i've done podcasts myself and i basically use the same process regardless of what content i'm creating whether I'm creating audio content, video content, it's, you know, certainly a much more abbreviated process when you're writing a blog post or doing a, um, a podcast. Um, but the process is the same, the, um, you know, coming up with a process that's going to help you put it into bite-sized chunks. You and I are very similar in that we're very left brained and this is, completely comprehensible to me. But for the right brain people who are listening to us saying, I don't know where I'm going until I start typing, do you have any 
suggestions for helping that person write? So um, we're internet marketers as, as well, right? That's um, how we got to know each other. And so there's a lot of uh, very sharp people in this internet marketing field who would tell that creative right brain person um, in as kind a way as possible to get over themselves and that they have to um, develop some structure around their process, even if they need to create more um, free flow than maybe I need to create, um, that there has to be a structure or it'll never get done. You know, if you're waiting for the inspiration to arrive and you're not going to do anything really until that inspiration shows up, um, uh, you know, what's the phrase? Don't die with your story left in you mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, um, uh, uh, the really great copywriters talk about how they, um, in essence, trick their psyche to get the work done. Because copywriting is, requires super high level of creativity um, within a really strict structure, right? Um, but, you know, they'll have a... Um, a certain chair they sit in, you know, that when they're doing other work, they don't sit in that chair only when they're copywriting, they sit in that chair or they'll have a hat they put on and, and that hat signifies to their, um, to their, you know, brain that this is the work we're doing now. And, um, and so what I would say to the right brain creatives, because I'm very much, a blend right and left. Um, I um, very much embrace both worlds, um, but I would say get creative with it and, and it, you know, validate the, that creative voice that says, Oh, I just want to flow with it. I just want it to be fluid. I just want it to be fun and easy and, and validate that voice. You know, it will be fun and it, it is fun and easy and let's make this fun and, you know, create a little costume that goes along with stepping into that role of writer, content creator. Um, I think that once you get over the initial I want to call it shock <laughs> of disciplining that, um, that part of yourself that doesn't want to be really disciplined. Honestly, no parts of us really want to be disciplined, but once you get over that, the hump of it, it becomes like really easy. Like I just got to get this done, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think you've made a great point. If we think about our reader, then our reader wants that discipline. Our reader gets frustrated if the book wanders around, which might be comfortable for the right brain person, but if it, the book is not in a logical progression, if you're talking about a subject that does flow logically, 
then if it wanders, it's too hard for us to follow. It's too hard for the left brain people to follow. I edited a book for a woman who was writing about putting on events. And her manuscript wandered around. It was in no logical order. And when I looked at it, I said, you know, there are phases of putting on an event. You want to plan it, you want to put it on, and then you want to evaluate how it went and make changes for the future. When I looked at her content, I was able to slot in the chapters into that structure where there was no structure before. So I think if it, your point is you can be creative, but you can't be so creative that your reader is completely lost. Uh, so here's a, a, another great example of that, I think, and maybe this will speak to those, um, those people who think that putting too much structure in the process robs the creativity. But um, once I got my blueprint done and I had my little chunks to write, um, I could write that chunk and it was not uncommon for my stream of consciousness to go into the weeds a little, right? With some really valuable information, but maybe it was not totally on point of what that chunk was I was writing about, right? And so um, sometimes I would be sharp enough to catch it, but other times I had an editor that I had worked with that honestly, the book would still probably be um, trying to find its way to print if <laughs> I had not had my editor, because it's not a small um, job to edit your own work and to um, uh, two things going on. One is your inner critic who, you know, is never going to be satisfied. Um, but then also it's like kind of the been there, done that of like, I'm done writing it now, like I'm over that material. And so it's hard to motivate yourself to uh, sit there in a disciplined fashion and unravel it in the editing process. But anyway, the, my editor then could take a look at something and say, this is a really great point, but it doesn't belong here. And so she would, pull that, lift that chunk out and she'd set it over in a, in another document for, you mm -hmm. know, future, um, insertion <laughs> into the right spot where it actually made sense and added value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I find it, it's very helpful to, as an author, to have that kind of person in your life who can see the material objectively. I was just teaching a program before we recorded this podcast to a couple of people and I was explaining the curse of knowledge concept to them. And not a phrase that I created, but you assume that other people in your life know the same thing that you do. <clears throat> so you don't go into the explanations that are necessary and then your reader gets a little lost. I gave the example of a course that I'm teaching now and some of the people in the course are a little technologically challenged and are having trouble getting into the members area. And my virtual assistant sent out an email that said, 
if you're having trouble, make sure you clear your cache and cookies. And she put it in red as the first step. And I emailed her back and I said, you know, these individuals may not know how to clear their cash and cookies. They may not know they have cash and cookies. We need to give them an instruction on what that means. The curse of knowledge example. And I'm sure you ran into that all the time as both an accountant in dealing with tax and financial issues, as well as in your current schooling working in more in, in the field of oriental medicine and acupuncture and, and all of the things that go into your training right now, you can assume that everyone knows those concepts, but they don't. And you can well, lose your reader very quickly. And, you know, to put it in a, using common language metaphors and, um, and uh, language that, is going to resonate with someone because if they've got to read it three times before it um, clicks, then that you've lost them. The other thing that's really interesting um, is um, the really great copywriters and, and writers that, um, write really um, successful material and materially successful, which I think that most of us would like for our work to be materially successful, not just help people, that's important too, but also that it be materially successful. Um, they say that you need to write at the fifth grade level. Mm -hmm. And um, in Word, it's called the FK score, the Fleischmann Kincaid, I think it is, score. Mm -hmm. And try running your writing through the FK score and see where you end up. I can tell you I almost never get all the way there. <laughs> Because it's, you know, and I've been, I've had a lot of good copywriting training. I know to write in short sentences and not use huge words. And, you know, um, I, I uh, practice all those uh, tips that go right against all that we learned in English class in school. But, um, but to write at the fifth grade level and really simple, but also still interesting um, it's not easy. So, mm -hmm. yes, that can be activated in the editing tools in Microsoft Word. It's not a default that shows up automatically, but when you check review your document and it does, it's finished with a spell check, then it assigns that score and tells you your percentage of passive voice and the level at which you've written and how many words are in the document and how long the document is. And that feedback is really useful. I use that tool to give me feedback on ridding my writing of passive voice. I used to get like 25, 30% of my sentences were in passive voice, which is something that healthcare people, and that's my background, we write in passive voice all the mm -hmm. time 
You have to unlearn it to make it more active voice. And that uh, review feature in Word is useful for that. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to your first book, you mentioned the, the spiritual angle of problem solving. Did you take that to a publisher? Did you independently publish it? You know, where did it go once you were finished? So I am a business person and had been a business person basically all my adult life. Um, and, um, and so I poked around at it just a little bit enough to know that I was not interested in using the route of a big publisher that if my book got some legs and, um, and ultimately needed to be printed, um, and distributed, um, more widely that at that point I could take it to a publisher and, um, and kind of call my own shots at that point. But I had no interest in um, in using that um, from my perspective, thinking a big publisher is going to um, help your book get out there is um, living in fairyland. <laughs> so um, the, the publishers don't spend any money on your book. They don't spend any money on marketing your book. Um, you are, it's highly unlikely you'll get an advance. I mean, that just virtually does not happen, especially these days. Um, and so, um, so you need to be able to self-publish you either need to be able to self-publish a hundred percent, which is what I did. I basically have my own little publishing company and, um, and I kind of figured it out um, and um, put together the pieces that I needed to be able to do that. Um, But, uh, but um, you know, there are ways to assemble the resources to help you get it done Um, and, and it's not that hard. I mean, especially now with Kindle, I mean, you can, you can get your book on Kindle, um, fairly easily using, um, using the Kindle publisher arm. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just important that the book be, if you're going to want to be taken seriously as an author and publisher, it's just important that the book be formatted and, um, look like a real book that would be sitting on the shelf at a bookstore, you know? Um, and, um, and basically to have that book formatted one for print and two for Kindle and they are different animals, um, is honestly that for me, cause I'm not good with graphics graphic design software and that sort of thing. That's the hardest part for me that I just, um, I have to have help with that. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's a lot of, uh, resources you can use to 
get the right people, but you need to make sure that you um, educate yourself and know enough <clears throat> to make sure that your, that your book looks sharp when you're done. You've put all that work into it. And, um, and if you are using it as basically your um, uh, business card on steroids, right? Um, which I know probably is a, what you talk to people about, right? And it is that, mm -hmm. but if it's not, if it doesn't look professional, if it looks like it's been kind of thrown together, then you better just go back to the business card <laughs> because it's not going to leave people with the impression that you're hoping to leave them with. In looking into this and the research that you did, what did you define as the elements that make a book look like it's homemade and not professionally laid out? So the cover is huge and, um, and finding somebody who designs book covers um, is not, that's honestly one of the more expensive components of it, unless you happen to just luck into somebody who knows what they're doing. And you can, you know, you can find them on some of the freelance sites, um, but you've got to have, you've got to have a really good idea already of what you're looking for. Like for me, I'm not good with the program. I can't execute it, but I can tell you if it doesn't look like it's at that level, mm -hmm. you know, I can say, see this and see this, this looks amateur and this looks professional, you know, and, and then you've got to kind of dissect it and say, why does that look amateur? Why does <clears throat> that look professional? And so, um, <clears throat> cover is very important. And then on the inside, things we take for granted, and you know, you and I both met a guy um, at the internet marketing group uh, meetings that we used to go to that um, taught a course actually on formatting your book and um, using Word, which a lot of um, people who do this work don't use Word, they use some Adobe program. Mm -hmm. But, um, but he did it in word and the font you use, the spacing you use, the way you indent paragraphs, the way the page numbers show up, like all of that. When you look at professionally created books, you'll find that they have a very similar look to them, you know, and that's not by accident the um there's only a couple of fonts that are used in professionally published books and um and you know they pretty much all start a chapter the same way with like it's it's with the chapter number and it starts like halfway down that first page and you know and the um hanging indent on the first line but then it's not all the way through the whole thing like there's just all kinds of little tricks that we don't even notice that stuff when we're reading a book because it we just know the book 
looks professional, like it looks like a professionally produced book. But those are all the little things that it, that our minds recognize as, um, as professional because that's what we've been conditioned to expect. So. You're right. It is subtle. And yet when the rules are broken, it screams at you. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a, a man who had a slender amount of material, but wanted to put it in a book that would be thick enough that it would meet the self-publishing requirements. So he used size 16 font and he double spaced and he had wide margins and it just screamed at me, not enough content, trying to stretch it, trying to make it fit within the guidelines because I believe that. Um, yeah. He would have been better off adding like some sort of just black and white, stencil graphics or graphs or depending on what his material was exactly. rather than trying to alter the font and the, you know, the spacing because the font and the spacing cannot be altered without losing a lot in the, um, in just the overall look and feel. So. Now that, that is one of the take home lessons of this podcast is don't double space your lines learn those techniques um i do know that kindle direct publishing which is the publishing wing of amazon will provide a template for people for uploading their content if they're not going to hire a layout artist which gail and i both recommend is somebody who knows how to bring it into adobe indesign and professionally lay it out so that it looks appropriate and it doesn't scream homemade uh, but at the very minimum use the the template that you receive through kindle direct publishing that's going to show how to lay out the content within those pages but it's not going to pick up the nuances that you're talking about gala in terms of the drop cap on the first line and whether you indent it and how you space the lines that requires some study. Well, how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing now, what services you offer, what area of expertise you have? How can they stay connected with you? So I have, I'm on all sorts of um, forms of social media. If you search for Dr. Gala author on Facebook, so it's D-R-G-A-L-A-A-U-T-H-O-R, Dr. Gala author. That is my author, um, my author Facebook page. And, um, and so that's where I tend to post fresh material. Uh, we have a wellness center in Hilton Head, South Carolina as well. And, um, and so, you know, if you just search my name, Gayla Gorman, you'll um, come up with a lot of a lot of ways to find me. But uh, but my Facebook page is probably the easiest way. So, and Gayla's last name is spelled G O R M A N. First name is G A L A Gorman G O R M A N. Thank you, Gayla, for spending your time with us today. We appreciate that. It was a Pleasure, Pat. And thank you for listening to Writing to Get Business and spending your time picking up tips on writing. Gail covered 
a fascinating process, fascinating to us left-brainers, I might add, of being able to outline your book in advance and write chunks of it so you can pick up your outline at any point. You don't have to start with chapter one, she emphasized. Where you're inclined to write that day, you've already got that outline and you can write in 20 to 30 minute chunks and get that sense of accomplishment. She mentioned having an editor to help you look at that material once it is completed to see if it flows and it's coherent and if there are sections that need to be rearranged. Without an editor, your book may be still sitting on your hard drive and you'll be experiencing that regret of having not completed the process. And she shared the importance of looking into your options when you're writing. Is going to a traditional publisher right for you? Is self-publishing right for you? You have those choices, and there's lots of considerations that go into that. But whether you are invested in going to a traditional publisher who will lay it out in the appropriate format, or you're self-publishing, it's important to know what goes into making a professional-looking manuscript. And using size 615, wide margins, and double spacing ain't it. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with us, and I will see you next week with a new show. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.